Hello and welcome, Star Wars fans, to another edition of the Jedi Council podcast. I am your uh, interim host again, Justin Ward, the Red Eye Jedi on Twitter. And today with me, I have on my virtual left, Dave. Say hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. And uh, what is it? It's the First Lady of the Jedi Council is on my digital right here. We have Mara Ranger. Say hello, Mara. Hello, Mara. How are you? How is everybody doing out there in uh, Star Wars land? We've had some major announcements this week. Um, we'll get into those uh, a little bit, but we also have, you know, The Mandalorian to discuss. Lots there. Very, very thick episode. We'll try to keep it at an hour, hour and a half. Um Unfortunately, a few of the other council members are out again this week, so this is the full council today. So we will press on and hopefully get uh, everybody else's reactions later. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm gonna open it for him. What do you guys you guys want to talk about first? Do you guys want to talk about all the Disney announcements, or do you want to talk about the Mandalorian first? Should we go for the Mandalorian first and, and work our way through that, and and then? Obviously, big news coming, but but yeah, try and, try and do the Mandalorian first, shall we? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that'll work for me. So we have uh, we have this week on the Mandalorian chapter fifteen, the Believer. Uh, it's the seventh episode of the second season, and we've got uh, one more episode. And what has turned out to be a fabulous, fabulous season. Um, you know, I know there's some people online who have. There are things I will continue to probably be the forever fanboy of Star Wars and just think that anything is great and gush over it. Um, but I love it. I love Star Wars. And I am, I said it at the end of the last podcast, I'm so happy and so, you know, like excited to be a Star Wars fan to see where things are going, especially considering the news, you know, uh, of the announcements made. So. Picking up where we left off on chapter 14, um, you know, we have, uh, we're looking for the child. Um, Moff Gideon has the child. Uh, Mando is teamed up with Boba Fett and Fennec to hunt him down and get him back. Dave, do you want to give your initial reactions here on uh, on the episode? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was... It was, um, I, I used the term filler to some extent, because whilst it was a good episode, and, and to be, don't get me wrong, because I really enjoyed the passenger one. So just because it's not a an episode that massively moves the story forward doesn't mean that it's not a good episode, and it doesn't mean that there's some good things in it. So when I, when I use the term filler, I'm not being... Um, derogatory really about the, the nature of the the show it's more a case of it didn't it didn't move the story along massively but that said it was a very good episode um lots of action um i loved the i loved it from the beginning to be fair where, where you you had um cara june um going to that penal colony um, which which looked to be some type of scrapyard where they're breaking up in Imperial era spaceships and and attacks and and what have you um, to to get um, is it 
Billy Billy Boyd's character out of uh, Billy Bunt's character out of. Um, uh, yeah, I believe his his name is uh, Mayfield. Migs yes. Mayfield. 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 Yes, to to, nah. to to get him released legally under her. Um, legally. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> under her jurisdiction, her her management. And I, I don't know if you you noticed, but we we saw more of these attack cranes. Yeah, they had a, quite a lot of going on in the background there. There was a lot. And there's a lot of visual uh, eggs going on around the uh, scrap. Yeah. I, I just thought it was quite clever again. So I, I, I said at the time, I wasn't certain if they were Artats or whether they were just actual cranes. Or, or may, maybe the Artat was developed out of these mobile cranes. Yeah, I think in engineering, it's like a lot of things. It's like cars, right? They build a platform, and they can put a lot of different types of cars on that platform, right? So maybe it's it's similar in in certain bones to to the ADAT, you know. And then the other portion of it is the crane, you know. Yeah. Wow, what did you think of that intro? I a lot of hardware eye candy to notice. <laughs> <laughs> I like to look at the details and the little things and what's in the background too and so it's like until we got to see Mayfeld it was uh, yeah it was quite interesting I love Kara in this I think it was a nice uh, episode for her too yeah I very much like seeing the the Marshall in her new role um, it's very interesting to me to see the New Republic function as a government with penal colonies and with you know these robot enforcers you know the robot uh enforcers are really cool to me like he's got this big new republic you know insignia like on his on his thing and it's like you don't reason with a droid so like that's kind of cruel because it's like if he didn't hear him you know is he gonna come up there and pull him down off of there like how compassionate are are droids i almost thought it was a k2so or a k you know uh oh when you just saw the legs walking, I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's a... It looked the same, didn't it? I thought that. I mean, you're talking about a, definitely a good jump in time from those. Um, so maybe, maybe. Maybe it's built upon it. Yeah. But, so, yeah, and, and like, like you're saying, Justin, he, he had no sympathy for Mayfeld. When, when he said, right, okay, you've been released into her uh, uh-huh. custody, uh, you have three seconds to comply. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, the shot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And he's trying to just get like a little information. He's like, just no, you you comply, or you or I, I will I will prod you with this electric taser that I have. Yes. You don't get mouthy. Save your mouthiness for somebody who cares, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, now which... I personally was real happy to see you know Bill Burr's character back. Um, I've always I've always liked him as a comedian. I think he's funny, you know, to a degree. And I think his character last season, I like. I really enjoyed that episode last season where they're uh, trying to break out um, the guy on the on the the, the penal colony ship, right? Yes. So you know, it was it was very interesting to sort of see him come back this season and to see his character get you know further developed and have a much larger part. You know, as we find out later, you know, into this. Uh, episode you know he has a much bigger role 
in the Star Wars galaxy as a whole and events that have passed. So, spoiler alerts, you know, if you're this far in, I'm sure you've already watched the episode, but here we go into spoiler territory. Yeah, I think that was one of the things I really liked about it, the fact that it... Whilst the story as a whole didn't really move, like I said, that much further forward, his character did, because his character was really fleshed out by this episode, more than anybody else's. Um, I I agree with what you said, Mary, about um, Cara Dune's character. This was also a good good episode for hers. Um, But, uh, yeah, of all of them, Mayfield, he would... He came out of this episode as a very different character, I think, than than any of us expected in, when he went into it. Yeah, maybe his time with uh, at the Hoosies. Uh... <laughs> possibly, possibly. Turn over and a new leaf, maybe. A culmination of everything that happened. I mean, look what happened by yeah. the time that the ending came. That it was just like that, you know, people were wondering if he is the believer. And I do believe he is because of everything in the revelations he had that made him like, wait a minute, I... And we can see why he was this hardened, um, crusty, whatever he is. Is he a mercenary? No, what is he? Uh... Well, I, suppose, yeah, I suppose he is now. He, he, he's ex, ex-imperial, wasn't right. he? Right. Yeah. But when we met him last season, it was kind of like, you know... Pet, petty criminal almost. Yes. But now he's like, no, oh, maybe there's a little bit more of a purpose here. So. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I did like that. I did like the way you went. What were, what were you, Justin? Do you, do you, is that the same? Yes, I, I I've heard, I've seen the you know the the comments online as well. Is he the believer? And I I think that yes, I think in a very philosophical way he is. We're seeing where he drew his line in the sand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and this is going to skip ahead a little bit. And we have kind of we kind of chatted about this in the chat. Um, but in the mess hall, the 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 officer mentions Operation Cinder, and that was a big turning point in Star Wars history, you know, and for people who who are, you know, have read Alphabet Squadron and have played, you know, Battlefront 2 and things like that, know about that. That, I mean, basically, right? I mean, you, you have the Emperor's death and it triggers Operation Cinder, which is basically like if oh, I'm going to burn my toys, I'm going to burn my toys and go home. That's a scorched earth policy, wasn't it? Yes, exactly. Perfect. Yes, perfect analogy. You know, so it's just it's it's very interesting to see them bring that in to the Star Wars, you know, um, live action series, you know, and, and mention it and and have it become that much more real and see the reactions of characters who who were there and characters who who were fanatic about it and things like that. Um. But yeah, I, I think overall, I think it's it was great to see his character really um, develop. Mainly because yes, in the first season, he's very much a thug, right? It seems like he's just he's just in it for some creds, and he's you know he's doing things that are very questionable, you know. And at the end of it, you know, backstab Mando. And I think it's interesting to see now, you know, to a degree, you know, when Mando first when they first get together, right? Like, and this episode starts real quick, right? I mean, they spring him. And then, you know, Boba Fett and Fennec are there with the Slave One in the background, and they just get in and, and go. I mean, this episode picks up and starts taking off in terms of, of, it, of its legs. And I think... Um, but funny that, you know, there's a little humor there, you know, when he first sees <laughs> Bubba and he goes, 
he stops and he goes, oh, I thought you were seven. <laughs> yeah. seven. He's, I thought you were the seven. other guy. Ah. That's right. That's right. That, thank you. Yes. And, and, and it's very interesting to see that even though, like, you know, they had this bad blood, like, Mando went back for him. Like, he knew he was going to be valuable. And to a degree, he still doesn't like him. I mean, that you see him later when they're in the, in the little rover, you know, and he's like, he says, he starts to compare himself to Mando and he says, you and me are nothing alike, you know. Yeah. And then as we obviously find out later, I mean, he really proves himself to be a much better guy. And even Mando can see it and kind of, you know, helps basically get him an unofficial pardon. Right. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Um, I don't think he is the character that any of us thought he was. I, I, I quite like that. I did like that. I, I, if, if you're going to say that to use a term that Ryan Johnson was quite um, happy to use. We, we definitely had our expectations subverted in this episode. Definitely. Definitely. Um, but, but like you said, when he first like um, saw Boba Fett and then the Mandalorian and, and what have you, the, uh, you, you say his name's Bill Bird. Sorry. I, he's not, I don't actually know him from the UK. I don't know if, He's obviously something big in the US, but in the UK, I don't think I've ever seen him other than in, in this TV show. So for me, he is what he is. Um, so apologies for completely mangling his name repeatedly. Um, oh, I don't but, know who um, until now, so don't worry. Guys. Well, oh, there you go. That makes me feel better. I've never heard of him before. So. And <laughs> that makes me feel better. <laughs> Mara's like, I live here and I don't know. I just happen to be a big fan of stand-up comedy, so I know who he is from from that and some other things that I've seen him in. So yeah, but it, it, living he lived up to that though, because as as Mara said, this there was lots of humor in this episode, and he was at the center of a lot of it. You know, I think one liner almost. I don't know if he had lips some of this. Yeah, I'd be interested to know how that went, like how much of it was him and how much of it was scripted. And like you're you're very much right. It's, it's I almost felt like to a degree he almost felt like he was the viewer, right? Like he's asking the Mandalorian questions that we've asked on this podcast several times. What with the whole thing, like, well, what is it? You can't show your face or you can't take your helmet off, because there's a difference. <laughs> you know that this whole philosophical conversation he has with him while they're delivering this explosive rhydonium you know on this planet while they're supposed to be infiltrating this imperial world is so so well done the writing in terms of writing i thought the right you know and we had talked previously about writing in some episodes where the dialogue wasn't great. i thought the dialogue in this episode was particularly good for an episode where it's you know a couple of guys trying to sneak into a an imperial base and you know yes, any answers we didn't get any answers from Mando about those questions. <laughs> True. <laughs> we still don't know. <laughs> True. So, so popping back real quick, we're still on the thing. We're still on the 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 uh, penal colony planet. You know, Boba Fett comes down out of the thing, and lo and behold, he has himself a new paint job. Mara, what did you think of that? I at first I was like, there's something a little different here, and then I looked at him like. You go, Bubba. You go. You've had to fly around. I love how people, and I'm just going to say this. I love how people, when did he find the time to do that? Seriously? How much time passed? Do we know how much time passed? And maybe he took some time just because he's like, I love you. I'm going to polish you, and I'm going to give you a nice paint job because I can. And I'm like, what? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just putting words in a Bubba Fett's mouth. I liked it. I thought it suited this version of him 
you know, maybe his wild days of being rough and scuff and whatever, and time in the Salak stomach, and then, you know, <laughs> surviving this and that. Maybe he wanted to reinvent himself in a way, or just his his uh, metamorphosis, what do you call it? Uh, his, not, not metamorphosis. Resurrection. Yeah, yeah, probably. I think it looks fabulous. I think it's like, I mean, yes, at first it was like, hey, but then it's like, I like it. All right, Dave. I did great. I did like it. it. It's a different shade of green to his previous green as well. So I think it wasn't just a case of he touched it up. He, he's decided he's going for an entirely different look, isn't he? Um, and I, I, I like the matte effect rather than the, 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 the semi-gloss, semi-shiny that he used to have. Um, and, and to go back to what, to what Mary said there, it's possible that maybe now he's got his armor back maybe maybe the paint job and, and what have you maybe it's just a case of you know what he appreciates his armor and and not having it for the five years whilst um after he'd lost it maybe previous to that he'd let it get a little bit tarnished a little bit chipped and what have you whereas now he's just decided you know what i've got my armor back i, I i'm gonna restore it back to what it should be as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. And why not? It's his. Did you see it's, my like, post about that? About the chain code? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting there going, give him a break. And Bubba doesn't care. He'll do whatever the heck he wants. Oh, <laughs> you people complaining about the color. Yeah. yeah. It's fabulous. I don't know. I think this suits this version of him. It's, it's, it's a darker arm. It looks more military. Yeah. I think it makes sense tactically. You're right. The mat, like, it's not going to be shiny. Like, the guy's a bounty hunter. He's going to be tracking people. If he looks chrome and and light yeah. shines off of him, he's going to be very visible. Not that walking around in, in Mandalorian armor isn't already a giant red flag for a lot of people, especially people wanted. But I think it's great. I think it – I number one, too, is if it was his father's armor – I mean, it wasn't originally that color when Jango Fett had it. So, so, I mean, if people so really fun. want to split hairs about what color it is and you want to go for the classic paint job, you got to paint it back into the Django Fett colors. I say preach. Amen. But, you know, I'm also for a new paint job, man. He looks good in a two-tone flat mat. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm now thinking, um, how many toys is this TV show going to spawn? Oh, well, I think you've, so. you've, you've, got, you've got the Cobb variant armor. Yeah. You've then got the um, Boba Fett hybrid armor, which is like the, the brown sand person robes and the, the battered armor. And now you've got the, the new matte armor. That's, that's, that's three toys there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you Save were... your pounds. Save your pounds, Dave. Yeah, Dave. I mean, you, need, you might need to buy a new house just to store all this new Star Wars stuff you're going to need to get, man. I hope Amy's not in the room listening to me. Don't encourage him, Mara. Don't encourage him. <laughs> oh. you, no, I, I can almost see that you, you could have almost like a, a, a single box set here of, of, of Boba Fett generations. Yeah. And you, you could have Kid Fett which we saw in um, Attack of the Clones, but also in the, the Clone Wars cartoons. You could then have the classic original trilogy Fett, and then you could have hybrid Fett and now Matt Fett. 
I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Hasbro, yes, you need to you need to give me a job. I'll give you ideas <laughs> for figures. <laughs> I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about your your Razor Crest. And they they were talking about that. Is it Haslab? Is that who makes Haslab, that? Haslab, yeah. Yeah. They were talking about that. My same sort of thing. He was like, he's like something like, you know, they made like twenty eight thousand or something, right? Or some some limited number. He goes, and then everybody's watching that episode, and oh. it just gets eviscerated. It's got uh, a lot of money, Dave. As long as, as long as it doesn't arrive looking like that, that's all that matters. <laughs> Although they made a point on that, which is what I wanted to bring up, was that like in Star Trek, for instance, they've destroyed the Enterprise umpteen number of times and they rebuild it. So who knows? Sure. I mean, he could end up with a new ra- a new Razor Crest, right? That's true. That's true. But right now we're on the Slave One, right? And oh my goodness, we get to see how the Slave One takes off from inside, right? How cool was that, Mara? Oh my gosh. I just sat there and I'm like, that was amazing. I just had, I've watched it again a couple times just to see that. Oh my gosh. Just the, the speechless. I loved it. I loved it. It was almost like, and everybody sat, well, it's probably in the background anyway, because it's not really happening on this set. But can you imagine being in there and having it almost feel like a, an amusement ride? That yeah. I could see where people would be going, but it was so cool. I love ships. I don't know if you guys have, you know, um, found that out yet. But, of course, <laughs> King is my ultimate favorite. But, <laughs> but this, uh, the more, seeing the inside of Slave One and seeing the, the mechanisms and the way it, it I, I think I want it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've always been a fan of Slave One, the way that it flies, the way that it lands. And I've, always kind of wondered i mean i've read books you know the bounty hunter series spends a lot of time in slave one um and they describe it a lot so it's for me it was such a treat to watch it in real life and to see how the bottom section is shaped where like the cargo hold is and stuff like that you know and then he's up uh, up the ladder in the actual cockpit section where he where he flies you know it was it was so cool to watch, and like you, I watched it probably two or three times. I was just enamored with it. Yeah. So cool! Like it's def- it definitely it felt like a Disney ride. You know how when you go into a Disney ride and there's stuff moving and you don't even realize you're moving and you've been transformed or or moved in some way, and then you know Disney turns the lights back on and and suddenly you're in this whole new setting and it's just it's so captivating. So I I, I think they did a great job with that. Well, I've got um, a couple of lego slave ones and they tend to be like almost like gravity based so when you pick up the ship the the cockpit just the cockpit section so where where bob is sat so i had the 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 slave one from django fett and also the slave one from bob fett and when you rotate the ship round the cockpit is almost attached to you know the the two wing type things that he has that also change direction. Uh-huh. So it's almost like gravity based and the, the cockpit section is attached to those wings. So when you tilt it, the weight of the wings swings round and drags the cockpit into the right position. So it is a very clever build by Lego, to be fair. And when you put it back down, the, the, again, the wings flip round and the cockpit re realigns itself to the direction that the ship's in so it's really cool that they do that 
but it was what what I thought in the TV show was the fact that you you also realise that it's not just a cockpit that rotates round. It looks like entire parts of the interior rotate as well. Uh, yeah, I quite like that. So yeah, so we're we're there. We're in we're in Slave One, and he uh, Mayfeld gives um you know uh, a tip on an Imperial Rydonium refinery on Morak because he says, you know, basically we find out that he's ex-Imperial, and that's why Mando sprung him because he knows he can access a, a, an Imperial terminal and get him the information he needs on where Moff Gideon's current whereabouts are. So with that information, he tells Fett, plot a course for Morak, and off we go, right? So we land on Morak, and it's a, you know, hilly, dense, vegetative-type planet. And we come up with a plan to infiltrate the Imperial uh, refinery, and there's another nice little bit of uh, some back and forth. Mara's Mara's laughing. you know, they're trying to decide who's going in, you know, because Mayfeld has to go in. And, you know, obviously... And no one trusts Mando, him to go on his own. Mando doesn't trust him to go on his own. Mando's in Mandalorian armor, and that's a little suspicious, so he can't go. And has the best line ever, Mara. Can you you want to say it? No, but everybody basically <laughs> Go ahead. He basically says... Uh, he Mando looks at, at at Boba Fett and he says, "Uh, they I have a face they might recognize." <laughs> to which I absolutely lost it and had to pause it, and I chuckled pretty heavily. And my wife's like, "I don't get it," and I was like, "Because he's Jango yeah. Fett's offspring, which means all clones are based off Jango Fett, so he's super noticeable." But I was thinking at the same time, technically, wouldn't that make him the best option? Yeah. Oh, good point. Good point. Yeah, because he'd just be recognized. They would just be like, oh, yeah, that's just an old clone. I mean, they, I know they retired some of the Clone War era. Mm. They discussed that in Rebels, right? How they retired yeah. most of the Clone War era troopers. So maybe from that perspective, it doesn't work. I don't know if they did it to all of them necessarily or if they just did it to the older ones. Um, well, well he would. Yeah, because the clones would be t- quite old by this point, wouldn't they? Cause yeah, they had the yeah, we're five years after Endor, so yeah, so. And and Rex, Rex must have been, if if you use Rex as an idea, then I guess Rex must have been about sixty-ish. Right. I mean, because Bubba is not that. Um, I feel like he's age appropriate. Does that make sense? Um. Yeah, we we were we were trying to work this one out. He's he's probably about as um, Tamira Morrison is probably between five and ten years older. Than Boba Fett's character would be, but it, it's not really that noticeable. Yeah. I guess if you got weathering of what he went through in the desert, because yeah. I'm sorry, the, more, the longer you're on the desert, the more you. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. you age, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at the difference between Anakin and and Obi Wan. Obi Wan spent all that time on the Dune Sea, and he was he was haggard by the time he was the same age as Luke was in in. in uh, the Last Jedi. So, yeah. So we get to Morak. They have this little conversation because they're gonna hijack a transport because they're transporting this this dangerous explosive called Rydonium in and out of this facility, and they figure that's their easiest way in, right? And so 
they hijack it. And obviously at this point they decided that, you know, Kara can't go in because she's got a bunch of rebel tattoos on her face <laughs> and arm. And uh, they also and, decide... Fennec wanted by the Empire. <laughs> Fennec is wanted. They have Bioscan, so she's going to show up. And Kara has wants, too, because of her connection with the Rebellion. And so, yeah, so so it ends up being Mayfeld and, and Mando. The Mayfeld and Mando show. Yes. And... Uh, they uh, hijack one of these uh, Imperial uh, transports and hijack some uh, nice new Stormtrooper outfits and proceed to have a, a jaunt through, uh, through Morag down to the Imperial, Imperial uh, facility here. I love Again, it. That's, that's another toy there, isn't it? <laughs> a juggernaut. You need a juggernaut. <laughs> it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And I was like, this thing is, and it's long. It could be a big toy, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> could be one, not, one of those. It does, it does look big, though. Yeah, it does. It, I mean, if you think about it, they have a whole this whole scene on it where he's fighting off these pirates who are coming in to blow up the Rhydonium. I thought it was very interesting, the conversation they have as they're going through the little small village, too, where he says, you know, New Republic Empire doesn't matter to these people. We're all just invaders on their land. And then Mando looks at the boy instead. And I think he has that connection of I've been there. Yeah. That's what I got from it. Sorry. I I definitely, I was going to say definitely, um, Dave, go ahead. No, I said I agree. I agree. Yeah, especially with the uh, the scarf. If you remember in season one, when you do flashback and see where how Mando got uh, rescued by the um, the watch, um, he had one of those scarfs on his neck at the time too. So yeah, it's very much echoing back to identifying with you know these these inhabitants and stuff. He is very quiet um, through, whereas Mayfeld is very chatty, right? And this is where we get that philosophical banter we were talking about. You know where. Well, you know, what is it? You can't take off your helmet, you know, you or or you can. And I think he makes, a, Mayfeld makes the greatest point. You know, when, I think when things get messy and when push comes to shove, everybody makes their own rules. And yes, I think yeah. that they go on to kind of prove that later here in this episode. And I think that, I think, I, I, I just loved how the setup and delivery of this, you know, episode was. Dave, what'd you think of that, that ride to the Imperial facility? I thought it was good, um, and and like you said, it was nice. It again, nice. Nice is probably the wrong word. It was good the way that um, Mayfield Mayfeld was like, like you said, really chatty and trying to. And and I, I think that's just again. I don't know if that was him ad libbing, and that was him just being him as a as a as a person, um, as in the actor. Or whether that was scripted, but it was it was very clever. It was very well done. I did like that. Um, it didn't feel the, pushed. Do you feel it didn't feel pushed? It was like very natural. That's yeah. that's what we've come to expect from Mayfeld. Saying inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, yeah. He, he, and, it, and it was a case of right. Well, if you're not going to talk, I'll just talk. I'll just fill the void, and, and I'll carry, I'll carry on talking. And if you want to respond, then that's great. <laughs> and I, I he does respond once or twice. I do find, like I said, you know, in the beginning of this and on this ride, you know, and when he starts, when Mayfield starts to compare himself to Mando in terms of doing what he needs to do when necessary, you know, he says, we're nothing alike, you know, and Mando's very bitter about that comparison. So 
I think it, you know, at first it's, it's, you, you kind of want to, it seems like he's just pestering him and you're wondering if it's to some other end, if he's trying to push him so that he can distract him and get away or, you know, but he seems invested in it. So, you know, it, it comes off as, as somewhat more, you know, charming to me. And I, I just really enjoyed that bit of dialogue, you know, and then, um, you know, they're on their way and they get word over the radio and they see, you know, a convoy ahead of theirs because they were number what, like four out of out of the number five weren't they was, yeah yeah three and four were destroyed yeah three and four were destroyed in front of them so they know that there's trouble coming and then these these pirates now i couldn't do you know what um species the i couldn't identify the aliens there was a few wasn't there they, they, they weren't all one species yeah it wasn't all homogenous but there was a particular of one particular type that i couldn't specific specifically identify the first one that you saw jump on like they're almost like a blue green color yeah yeah I did think it was funny when he he leans out the window and he's shooting at it he's like you're shooting at rhydonium <laughs> it's explosive <laughs> Well, it's like, it's not going to matter if they blow us up, right? I mean... Well, one quick question I've got about that, before we actually discuss the, the, what happens there. If they're pirates, aren't they meant to be trying to nick the fuel rather than blow it up? I don't understand why they were trying to blow it up. To Probably to... I don't know. Well, I was going to answer, and then I said, I don't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> And I really don't know. The only thing I can think is that they were there maybe before the Empire was there, and that right. they have interest there and that the empire being there makes those interests hard to do so that they're they're trying to make it untenable for the empire to be there knowing that the empire is not as strong as it was that's the really the only thing i could think of because i thought the same thing i was like wouldn't you want to steal it yourself and sell it you know a la you know uh yeah. coaxium and solo yeah so yeah i was kind of curious about that too but then again, like one person's pirate or rebel is another person's freedom fighter hero, right? So they say pirate. We don't really know. It could just be the locals. Like we, you know, we had that conversation as they were going through the village. One, you know, you're just another invader to that person, regardless of who you are. That's so. yeah, valid point. Though. Very valid point. Yeah, so that was more my thought there. I mean, I did feel a little bad because I kind of hold that opinion, and then of course we <laughs> we proceed to watch them all just. <laughs> battle atop atop this rock move or this rhydonium hauling mover thing you know and so, so, some very so, interesting things about thermal detonators i have questions about but go ahead dave well i, I was gonna say does um, does the mandalorian now become the stormtrooper with the highest kill count of any stormtrooper <laughs> <laughs> well, he's hey, definitely a stormtrooper he, yeah, <laughs> he's definitely wrecking the curve, so to speak, isn't he? <laughs> and it goes to prove it's not the helmet that means that they can't shoot straight. <laughs> oh, that funny when they were in the mover and he ta and Bill Burr take or Mayfeld takes his off. He's like, it's, he goes, it's better when you take it off. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just taunting him. I just thought that was so funny. He's like, I can't see anything with that thing on. Another, so, I think that was a little homage to uh, Luke. I can't see a thing in this. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. yes. You know, I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. That probably was. You can't think like, anyway. Oh, but yeah, yeah. But then when, when he goes up top to, to use his pistol, it's the first time I've ever seen a laser pistol run out. My wife commented the same thing. She goes, I always wondered that. She goes, in the movies, they never seem to run out <laughs> of bullets. 
And I was like, yeah, they have cartridges. I was like, it's they do it in the games and stuff more. She goes, yeah. She goes, I, she goes, I get that. That makes sense. She goes, but I've never seen anybody run out. <laughs> I thought it just got like it was old and got stuck, and he was like. That's possible. That's possible. I mean, it could, it, it, I mean, that could be why the last two transports were blown up because these stormtroopers just don't look after their equipment. No. I, either either they let them fall into misuse, or they just don't charge them. So there's no charge left in them when they use them. Or it's like the it's like the cell phone of the Star Wars. You've charged it to hundred percent, but no matter what, you can only get three shots out of it when you used to get thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody Everybody like- had that. My cell phone's at 100%. By 10 o'clock, your cell phone's dead. Yes. <laughs> and without, without the Empire bringing, bringing new batteries, that's it. Yeah, you know. I think that maybe that's a little bit of that. I think I think to a degree what you're seeing is, is you're seeing an Empire that is post, obviously, you know, the, the fall of, of, of the Empire, and they're stretched a little thin, and while they're rebuilding, they're maybe not as wealthy as they once were, and the regiment isn't maybe as strict as it once was. There's a big theme in um, the Thrawn books and throughout, like, some of the newer um, canon stuff that, like, not only did like was the emperor the emperor, but that he used the dark side of the force to like co- to like in concert his forces basically to like keep them like kind of in a state of like placid servitude to a degree and and somehow kind of um they talk about um in a book oh what is that book called the one but they basically have in one of the Star Wars books where they do like a Jedi mind meld basically where multiple Jedis come together to fight in concert in one, in one spaceship. Right. And so it kind of is borrowing from that. And it's the same author. It's uh, Timothy Zahn who wrote those books. Hmm. Um, I can't remember the name of that book. I think so they, they would be non-canon now though. They're non-canon now, but it's getting odd with this Timothy Zahn stuff because he's doing so much now. Because anything Thrawn related is basically becoming more and more canonized as we go, it's almost hard to ignore those because they do involve Thrawn and they do involve the Chiss Ascendancy and the Chaos Regions. And that book specifically is about, um, it's basically about a, a group of Jedi and colonists from the core who are tired of the clone wars or they're tired it's this is just before the clone wars they're tired of the the republic and it's squabbling and they've decided to get into this ship and basically go into unknown space mm-hmm. and basically chart unknown space and find a new place to live because they're just tired of the galactic center well it, it, it's not like us to diverge from the what we were planning to do but that that's one of the things i think that did disappoint me about when Disney took on um, Lucasfilm, because I can understand that they wanted to 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 use the term "plow their own furrow" and they wanted the the story to move forward where they wanted to. So, so I can understand that they would almost like um, um, decanonize if if they were ever canon in the first place the later stories because they wanted to chart their own their own path. But a lot of those older stories, the ones that were set either during the Clone Wars or prior to the Clone Wars, a lot of them, there were some very good stories in there that didn't necessarily need to be removed from canon. Yeah, I agree. I think the general 
just dismissiveness of oh we're not these this is now you know legends and it's not it's there but we're gonna pretend like it's not was kind of the wrong route and i've said that before you know and i won't go too much into it but for those wondering the book that i was talking about it's called outbound flight oh i've heard it i've never read it it's fabulous um i really enjoy it because it's one of the first books um that really goes into the functioning of the chist ascendancy and stuff like that it really lays the bones for that and it is technically as you said a legends book now because it was written you know so long ago but as i said the more they bring thrawn into this and obviously with you know ahsoka being in the mandalorian you know thrawn's coming in regardless of of whether or not he is considered in legends so I suppose all the the new books have made him back. He is now canon again. Um, yeah, and rebels. Yes, and and also the novels, the the new novels that have been sure. written, um, the both the the Chiss Ascendancy trilogy that's just started, but also the previous Thrawn trilogy that he did, which was almost like the rise of Thrawn within the Empire. Yeah, yeah, and I think those are great books. You know, I think I've I've read all of them. I'm finishing up um, Chaos Rising right now. Yeah. Um, and then the no one uh, we just saw, I just saw on Twitter, is coming out in April now, April, April 27th of next yeah. year. Timothy Zahn just said on Twitter, he said, hopefully, he's saying it's, he, you know, he's hoping it doesn't get pushed like the last one did. The last one got pushed around a little bit in terms of its release date. So for those who are interested in that line of books, that book's coming next year. Ooh. But that'll bring us to the Chiss and all that and, and, and things and Mando. We're back to the Mando show. Sorry, folks. I know we go off on a little bit of a tangent here and there. <laughs> Just for change. So we have this right in. And the other, all the other transports are getting blown up. And, and they're pretty much the only ones who, who make it back after this impressive, you know, fighting. Mando took on, you know, I mean, a good, decent number of people. And... Mm-hmm. Against odds, guys with thermal detonators. Now, the one guy got so far as putting it on to the right, uh, the Rhydonium, but like it didn't explode. Now, I assume he's trying to get off and it's timered, but they also didn't seem like they had any problem throwing themselves at it in almost like a kamikaze fashion. So I'm kind of confused there, you know, why not just get it on there and blow it up if that's your end goal? Mm, I, I don't know. I got the feeling that they wanted to get off, but it was a case of plant the bomb and, and jump, okay. which is why the transports had stayed close to the, the, the juggernaut. Because mm-hmm. it seemed to me that, like, why get on? Because, um, I mean, to a degree, once the guy... I, I mean, I know the first guy had to get on to get the doors open. That made sense to me. You know, he got the doors open, that guy got shot, then another guy comes and puts one on. Mando picks it up, chucks it like a baseball, blows up that first little sail barge. Then there's like three more coming at him that are way more stocked with dudes. Why not at that point? You know, if I if I'm those guys, if you've got three, you put one on each side and one at the back, and you just start pitching thermometer yeah. into there. You can't get all of them. And I mean, they're not old grenades. You only got to get close with horseshoes and hand grenades. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's one of those things, though, that it, it's, I think, good good Star Wars, which is what this is, we all know that there's plot holes, and we're all prepared to accept those plot holes, because overall, the story is high-octane, it's fast-paced, 
and you just go with it. I, I think a few a, a pod a few podcasts ago, a few quite a few podcasts ago, I'd made a, a reference almost like you get on the bus and you just take the journey. And and if the story, if the overall story is good, and the overall story feels and reacts like a Star Wars story. You're happy to just be on the bus, even if there is the odd thing where, well, that that was a little bit silly, wasn't it? You, you overlook them. I mean, because he speeds up, and I mean, they they did kind of use that as, I guess, like a bit of humor, right? He was having to speed up the, the thing, but then once it would get unstable, he'd have to slow it down, and they would start to catch up, right? So, I mean, I get to a degree they're building tension and stuff like that, all the all to get to this bridge, right? And. <laughs> I th- I think Mayfeld said it perfectly. You never thought you'd be happy to see stormtroopers before. <laughs> oh, and I guess oh, right before that, of course, we have the 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 fleet of Tie fighters coming in, right? Which leads me to believe what is the Empire's response time? It must not be very good if they allowed, you know, four out of five of these things to get blown up before they were able to, you know, muster some sort of a response. Mara, what do you think? Everybody's expendable as far as the uh, <laughs> the yes. Empire. seriously nobody gets connected nobody cares about anybody it's just like oh wow and maybe they thought since they lost those last two that they saw these guys getting a little farther that it well maybe we should go get get this one in but yeah that's that's my theory on that no you're you know you're absolutely right we actually i mean we've we've seen that callousness firsthand didn't we in the one where uh grogu gets snatched up when they're trying to take them out and he's like get up there you in and he goes there's too much fire he's like i don't care go and then he's he's dead like a half a second later and he's like okay now you go (laughs) (laughs) it's just like they are very callous towards their men i always wonder who would in their right mind would think that that is the person that i want to serve with and serve for and represent but well I, i saw quite a nice meme on the back of that to do with um it's the stormtrooper right at the end of last week's episode, so uh, uh, chapter fourteen, and it's a stormtrooper in, in his helmet in the prison cell with Grogu, and he goes, "Wait a minute, we've we've got wrist cuffs that fit children." Are we yeah. this? <laughs> right, we're, we're terrible. Did anybody like though the Mando's? Con- I love that this is consistency, consistent with Mando's character, right? I mean, it's almost like he reminds me of Steve Rogers. I could do this all day. And, then, you yes. know, he kind of sighs. He, he realizes, wait a minute, I don't have my best car. And so I'm like, ow, that hurt. But it's like he, he saw this last wave of pirates coming and the literal, <sighs> okay. <laughs> he just is this sigh. All right, all right, get him. Come on, come on. And then, of course, the Tie Fighters, which you're just like, you gotta love Mando even more for that. I mean, he just doesn't quit until he like with the mat. Uh, I was gonna say Matterhorn, the Mudhorn. Yeah. Ah, yes. <laughs> the Matterhorn. Um, but seriously, he was gonna keep on going if he hadn't had that intervention. So I, oh, I just love the point. That. Hmm. No, I agree. Totally yeah, agree. Point. And, so, and I was going to say, just, just like you're saying then, it's like uh, Mayfeld then turns around and says, well, you've never been so glad to see a stormtrooper. But the stormtroopers are cheering them. <laughs> it's like, you made it, you made it. And didn't you love like, oh, it? you heroes, the two of you, you're heroes. I mean, it's definitely more, it's definitely more, uh, 
notice you than you want coming in on a clandestine mission to steal some stuff, right? I mean, you're definitely it's like you're suddenly the hero of the base. I, I, I was uh, sure that that was going to cause more of an issue than uh, than anything else. I love that they got the, you know, that we still have some uh, shore troopers and we were using the tank trooper helmets yes. from Rogue One. It's like kind of, uh, I love that. I, I was like, I've been no, very happy with the variety of stormtroopers throughout uh, this that they've had, including like the uh, we had the the trooper who was in the one where he, he had like the yellow on and he had the uh, the mortar round. We had the captain with like you know the more orange piece. Yeah. Yes. These ones we have with like you said the tank the tank armor and stuff like that. It's it's nice to see the variety across and to, it makes all the locations feel very real and and interconnected. So. But Mara, that was a very good point. I forgot completely to mention. He did. He has gotten very used to having his best scar still, right? When he fights, and yep. it was very interesting to watch just his forearm bracer just kind of shatter. <laughs> which you know we mentioned before. How good really is stormtrooper armor? I mean, what what good is it really if it's just going to shatter like that? Um, so it, it, they're made of plastic, are they? <laughs> they? I mean, I know they're made of plastic, right? You would think no, no, they're, they're really made of plastic. They're really made of plastic in Star Wars, more so you than we probably would up and go give your life because this is not going to protect you. But you're right. I mean, he persisted on. He was like, I, I you know, I got to make it. His, his. His focus in this episode to save that kid. I mean, they've done one thing like, I, you know, and, and as much as this, Dave, to your point, can be a bit more of a filler episode in terms of progress, much like The Passenger was, it really does go to reinforce the, the relationship that they've built between the child and the Mandalorian, right? I mean, he, you know, and we'll get there in just a minute, he, the, you know, the sacrifices he makes to his moral code in order to, to save this child, right? So... They get into the base, and, you know, we're finally there. Oh, man, everybody's cheering them, and Mayfeld saluting people, and we're like, oh, no, you know, they're going to get, I thought for sure, you know, some commander, somebody was going to come, want to come over and have a conversation with them. What did you think, Mary? Did you think that, did you think their goose was cooked? Yeah, well, I'm just like, why? I thought specifically, yes, because Mayfeld didn't put his helmet back on. I'm like, what are you doing? Put the helmet back on. You know, but, I was curious about that, too, because they did make the whole thing about bioscans such a big part of choosing who went in. And I was wondering, like, if he really was ex-Imperial, ex like, wouldn't he show up in a bioscan? I was like, hey, this dude doesn't doesn't work here anymore. Right. Well, it depends whether they've ever, like, updated the the bioscan to say that he's he's no longer employed by the Empire. Yeah. I mean, fair. Like, I definitely worked in corporate America for long enough to know that databases aren't always the most reliable things, right? Yeah. So, yeah especially after a major war. Right, right. In, in a backwater place like Morac, right? Right. <laughs> so, so fair enough, right? So we're in there, and uh, basically they, uh, they need to access a Imperial Terminal. But unfortunately, it's only in. Is it the now? It just, is it just a mess hall, or is it the officers' mess hall? I thought it was the officers' mess hall. I'm pretty sure that that he said it was the officers' mess hall. I just couldn't remember off the top of my head, so wanted to verify. And you know, 
obviously the 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 Mayfeld came in order to do this, and he's he makes ready to go in and get this done when he sees a guy that he used to serve for, and so he doesn't about face and comes back out and says, "I can't go in there. That guy, I used to serve with him." Now, is that is the person that he's talking about? Is that the guy that comes up to him? I thought it was. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, you know, as we come to find out, he didn't necessarily recognize him, but he had heard that they were part of the troop transport that had, you know, saved the Rhydonium, the only Rhydonium shipment in, yes. in for this one. But that's a little ahead of myself. Mayfeld comes back out and he says, I can't go in there. This guy's going to recognize me and we're going to be, you know, we're going to be dead in two seconds. I don't understand why they didn't just wait. Then it's like okay, then we'll we'll go we'll go we'll go and wait for him to leave the mess hall. I mean, I assume as as a person who's invading a military installation that you want to get in and get out of there as fast True. as possible. True. And you don't want to like just because he doesn't recognize you doesn't mean there's not somebody else that might recognize you. Any number of things can happen. I mean, I know we know it's scripted and we know that it's gonna hopefully be okay in the end right so so we're like yeah you're fine just hang out wait till he walks off and who knows how long he's gonna be in there what if he drinks all night you know what if he's obviously he invites them to have a drink in a minute so maybe he was looking to tie one on after a long set of shifts so you know we got to make a decision here but obviously you know mayfeld can't go in and so mando thinks i'll go in but mayfeld says you got to take, take that helmet off because it's going to require a facial scan. But don't you love that he didn't at first? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, Mando, it's going to come off because he's like, Rrr. I'm like, yeah, it was perfect. I did find it interesting that he did hesitate. You know, I think that it showed that it was a major decision for him to take it off. Right. Um, that it, you know, and they, because they flirted with that. I mean, he did take it off in front of IG-11, right, season one. Um, but obviously, IG-11 made the logical argument that he's not a living being and that his creed is basically about being around living beings with it off. So this is really the first time yeah. that he's had it off in front of other humans since yeah. he was 12 or something. And, yeah. you know, it does, doesn't it seem to solidify how much the child means to him, how much more important this child means and that how this has bonded with him and how important it is to him to think, OK, is my it, to save something else more important than this right now was that was huge for me. I watched that when he finally did the, I mean, it was a few seconds. Of course, he only had a few seconds, but to actually hesitate and say, this is going to be worth it. This is, this is bigger than I am. This is, this will be okay. True. But he's, I guess in, in this season, if, if you go back to last season, his entire exposure to Mandalorians was the members of his little cult. Whereas, now he's he's a, he's met Bo-Katan and her Mandalorians who all took their helmets off and were quite happy to be to be naked, so to speak. Um, <laughs> he's also now met Boba Fett, who's quite happy to wear the helmet or not. So maybe he's starting to question 
the, mm-hmm. the creed he's been brought up to anyway. Um, and, and coupled with the fact that the ends justify the means as well, to some extent, he's, he's becoming more prepared to, to go on mast. Did you notice? Am I getting ahead, Justin? If I if I mention his his, um, I, I loved that even without the helmet, you see his life of wearing a helmet in every movement he makes, turning around his full body to see the stormtrooper, looking down at the you know he rarely does, you know he doesn't do a casual side. It's you have to turn this way. You have to turn that way, or you have to look down. Because wearing them, um, even without it, he still has that. That's, that that's great, yeah. right? I, yeah, I'd not noticed that, but now you mention it, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that either. That is a very interesting physical uh, action that was chosen. Very interesting. I'll have to watch that back and, and pay more attention to that. I, like a lot of people online, was like, "Why does he have a mustache?" Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I know why Pedro Pascal has a mustache. I'm not, I'm not daft, right? Like, well, technically, shouldn't he have a bearded face? He does not shave at all. I mean, <laughs> and that's the thing, right? It should either be he should either be grizzly man or he should just be clean shaven. Like, if I'm him, and when I have, because obviously he does take it off in private to eat. Like they did establish yeah. that. Like when he's not around people, he does eat in private. He does take it off. Obviously, he yeah, needs- they showed that in Sanctuary. Yeah, exactly. He's like, probably, oh, a little bit of, hey, I think I like that. I'm going to keep that. Yeah. It was his rebellion against the Kyburn. He was like, it's a vanity thing, isn't it? Facial hair is a vanity thing. Because how old, I mean, it is. How old is is Mando meant to be? Um, Well, just on the basis of, he... He was obviously picked up during the Clone Wars because right. they were um, battle droids. And he looked so, about 10 or 11 in there. No, I think he was younger than that. I would say so? six, seven, seven, eight tops. Okay. So, and then let's, let's say a, a year or so, knock him towards nine, then 20 years to Return of the Jedi-ish, just over 20 years, then another five years after that. So... Okay. Ish, 35? 35? Yeah. Like, yeah. Probably about the age that he actually is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's looking good. Brown eyes. Yeah, brown eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I have brown eyes. I have brown eyes too. So I'm like, <laughs> um, I was a little, you know, it was very interesting, right? Uh, Mayfeld, being former Imperial, he understands the salute. He has the military uh, walk down, right? It was very interesting for for Mando, who didn't live in that and was then, you know, as he's trying to download the the location of Moff Gideon at this terminal and not be as or be as inconspicuous as possible while leaving his helmet on during a known facial scanning process. <laughs> Maybe that was a little bit suspect because obviously the officer at the end of the mess hall sees it, calls him out. And then uh, he doesn't immediately respond, but by the time he gets to him, he grabs the little disc with the downloaded info, turns around, the guy's talking to him, but then Mayfeld steps in perfectly. Something about decompression or something about... Hearing, yeah, he can't hear you. Hearing is out. I thought that was good. I thought that was pretty funny. 
But it, I, I thought as well it was quite clever the fact that the the officer asked him for his designation. And, and obviously, because the Mando doesn't know how the Empire works, oh, I'm I'm just part of the 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 transport detail. I'm I'm, no, and he goes, yes, yes, I know that. But what's your designation? And he was after the FN number, wasn't he? He was after. Uh, well, it's not FN at this point. It's TK. Yeah, t- yes, yes. It's TK uh, number right now. Yeah, uh, that's that's what he was after. Uh, uh, yeah. And, I thought and, that was a great callback, right, to the original trilogies and into the prequel trilogies. I thought that was awesome. Yes. Um, I did think that it was interesting. Like you would think, because as a, you know, as as a soldier, that should be something that just rolls off your tongue, right? Yes. You, you know, know your number because it's the number that you've had for the last ten years. In, it is your name when you're in a yeah. military thing. So. I, I did think that it was great when Mayfeld comes back in and he says, you know, he's like, ah, oh, you know, he's, he can't hear. He's kind of got decompression problems and his ears are all messed up. So great way to cover it in terms of like not giving an immediate response and being a little bit like moon faced, I guess, is a good way to put it, because that's basically what he did. He had just like I was like, this is how the Mando dies. <laughs> dumb, yeah. dumb, dumbstruck in a mess hall on a on Morag. Because <laughs> he can't answer a simple question. <laughs> I did think it was funny that uh, he, you know, he gets in there. Mayfield gets in there, smooth talks it a bit, and then he's like, "Let's go fill out those TPS reports." Right. And again, that doesn't mean that didn't mean anything to me. I've seen loads of comments about this. But so now, if that doesn't mean anything to you, and if that doesn't mean anything to you, listeners out there, what that is is that is from a, a, a movie called Office Space. It's a bit of a cult classic. Um, and in that movie, that it's there's a there's a whole comedy bit about reports at work and how you got to fill them out eight different times, and all your bosses are like, you got to do this, you got to do this, but they really don't amount to anything. So it's it's just a really like it's a really wrapped meta joke for people who are into that movie. Right. Now for me, I loved Office Space. So for me, as soon as I heard TPS reports, I thought it was hilarious myself. Mara, now Dave didn't obviously know about that. Did you? I, I've heard of the Office Space, but I haven't seen it. Okay. So I did not get the connection. Yeah, if you ever have worked, I mean, if you've ever worked in any sort of office for any period of time, it is candidly on par or candidly on point and very, very funny. I highly recommend it. But it's it's also at this point, it's also kind of a microcosm of like late 90s, like offices and 90s film to a degree, because they really don't make movies like that, you know. But it, it's 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 a good it's a good it's a Mike Judge is the uh, director, if you know who Mike Judge is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so for those office space fans out there, that was a little Easter egg just for us. <laughs> but obviously the. uh the officer won't be uh, dissuaded too much into his line of questioning, and he says, "I did not dismiss you." Yes. Uh, did you think they were? Did you think they were caught, Dave? I I, I must admit that was quite an abrupt, um, like summoning them back again, rather than a, a, a more conversational way. That was almost like asserting his position as the the, the one in charge. Um, and I did think, ooh. <laughs> well, you knew it wasn't going to be too easy. I mean, you know, you had to be a little bump in the uh, wrench in the works or something like that. So, 
they'd, they'd already yeah. had a few bumps outside. <laughs> right, but you know, can't end because this is like keeping on our seats and just sitting there going, "Oh no, no, not right now." They got to get out of there. Yeah, well, much to, and- much to Mary's point. Yes, they keep you on your seat, and I was very much like, you know, you know, something's going to go wrong at some point. You know it because. <laughs> You know, their exit strategy is basically the roof and slave yeah. one. You know that during this time as they're infiltrating Fennec and, and Cara Dune are setting up on the ridge with their sniper scopes. They have a, a very nice little interaction, I thought, uh, there where they're both just like admiring each other's weapons and getting honed in and, and taking targets. I thought that was that was fun. I'm always a big fan of. You know, sound is such a big portion of Star Wars. You know, we mentioned in the last podcast, you know, Slave One has a very specific sound. Lightsabers have a very specific sound. Cycle rifle sounds different, you know, as we found out at the end of the episode compared to the rifle, the long rifles that Fennec and them use. So in order to, in seeing those things and hearing those things, it's always such a nice, you know, um, callback to things that have been established before, but just... Yeah. Everything is so complete in Star Wars, and when you hear it, it it's perfect and it's in sync, and it, it it tells a story just through the audio, not just with the video visual, you know. And being able to see um, see the next set of things unfold and to watch them just be able to pick people off from far away, we really didn't see a lot of sniper rifle shooting in any really before, you know. This, this you've seen people broke one. What's that? Broke one. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. When they're when they're, um, I don't remember the planet or the, 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 the yeah the the special weapons facility. Yeah. Galen. Does he actually? Sh- I guess he does. He he does take out a few people. I know initially he's he's aiming at Galen. Correct. His yes. his target is to take out Galen Urso initially. In that spoilers. I'm sorry if you haven't watched Rogue One. <laughs> um, <laughs> you should. Wonderful movie. Um. But okay, so yeah, so I guess that would really be. But I mean, this was like you know, this we saw you know a definite concerted effort of two people working it working together towards a common goal. So, but before we get to that, you know, the officer is very short. He brings him. He he's like, I didn't tell you you could go anywhere, you know. And so I I kind of was thinking maybe this is where you know Mando just has his information and he decides you know what it's time to go. Yeah. And, I figured maybe he would just shoot his way out as he's want to do, but turns out the officer knows that they're part of the crew that uh, saved the last shipment of Rhydonium, offers them over for a drink, and boy was I glad he did because the next bit of dialogue for me was super exciting. Now we talked about it a little bit at the very beginning, but as we sit down and they're cheering to basically the Empire this officer brings up Operation Cinder. And as we find out, you know, up until this point, we've, you know, we've, we know that Mayfeld now at this point was an ex-Imperial, but we don't know why, right? Hmm. So it turns out that Mayfeld was, you know, there during Operation Cinder. Yes, a a survivor of Operation A survivor, basically. You know, he was one of the lucky few that got off the planets that were involved in that, you know, scorched earth tactic and I like a lot of uh like a lot of troopers you know and a lot of people including Aiden Versio he defected after the fact or I mean he didn't necessarily defect I guess Aiden Versio defected but he technically uh just called it quits and started striving his own path right yeah you know and 
to me, it's it's very interesting because you know in the in the OT in the original trilogies and stuff like that, it's very just black and white. They're on that side, and they're on that side, and it's us versus them. And the greater galaxy is kind of caught in the middle, but they never really explore those nuances of people who were involved directly and then left or people who just never got involved so it's interesting to see third party like non-combatants who are like yeah i don't have any time for any of that i'm gonna go do my own thing now so i i really like that from a story standpoint that you know we're seeing where he's coming from it's humanizing him and making him feel like he's not just some thug in the galaxy who just you know is out for the highest bidder and um you know so as this fanatic officer goes to uh, raise his glass, does he finish his drink? I can't remember. Does he let him get his last drink in? I don't, I don't think he does, no. I don't think he no. does. I think uh, I think uh, Mayfeld takes his blaster out and puts a hole in this officer right there in the middle of the mess. Now, I knew he was getting agitated, and I didn't think that he would lose his cool. Did you? Did you think he would lose his cool, Dave? Not to that extent, because he he was he was coming out with the odd sarky comment about because um, the the officer was obviously raging and raving sorry raving about how great the empire is and this Operation Cinder was a fantastic uh, solution to to the, what they were doing um, and Mayfeld's reaction to that was well it's possibly not the best thing ever and and there were mistakes made and not everybody survived that and and but yeah and and he was he was prepared to to voice it and and you almost had like the um the mandalorian sat next to him almost like looking at him to say don't (laughs) don't blow our cover don't go too far (laughs) and in the end yeah like you said he's he's had enough and he just pulls his blast and shoots him (laughs) I, you know, it's very, very reminiscent to other people getting shot in, in cantinas, right? Yes. Uh, a certain Greedo got shot similarly while seated. Now, I thought it was hilarious because, I mean, obviously he shoots him. There's nothing but Imperial Stormtroopers in this room. You're thinking, now you guys have done it. Now you've got this entire base is going to come down on you and... You guys aren't getting out of here alive. Now, the look, despite wearing a helmet and having a tray, the stormtrooper who they cut to immediately after he shoots him, and he's just got, you can tell without even being able to see the guy's face that he just is questioning everything that's going on in that instance. It's And I've seen some great memes. I think I shared one of them of the Lego guy, and it's just like he just has this, puzzled look on on his face despite being wearing a helmet and i thought you know that was a great bit of visual humor you know and they've some people seem to think there's too much humor but i i don't know i seem to think that they've got it pretty good in this mara what'd you think of uh did you think mayfeld was gonna was gonna shoot the guy um what do you think of their initial reaction oh uh well I don't know. At that point, I'm like on the edge of my seat. Nobody should see me watch these episodes because <laughs> I'm literally like, what are you doing? Get out of there. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought, well, I, who knew? Who knew? I mean, I was, I think I held my breath the whole time they were, you know, starting to get out of there. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 
Now I've lost my train of thought. Um. <laughs> no worries. I was wondering if you had, if you had, uh, if you thought that his reaction would be to shoot this officer in the middle of this mess hall. Um, I, I would. <sighs> You know, funnily enough, I knew something was going to happen. I knew the way the conversation was going that he, he more like, uh, more so than Mando was going to start shooting. I don't know why, but I, and he was just getting upset and he, you could tell that what he was talking about. So it actually kind of didn't surprise me that he shot the officer. <laughs> Yeah, I think in hindsight, you can see, like, and re after I rewatched it the second time, you, I saw the same thing you did where his reactions are continuing. And he, he tries to give him the out to just be like, maybe it wasn't great. But then his his continued, you know, insistence that it was the greatest thing and that all things are for the greatness of the Empire. I think that that really just, and I think that that is where we finally see, you know, who Mayfeld is. I think it was the defining moment for him. Do I think Mando wanted him to shoot him? Probably not. He probably wanted to get out of there a little less, uh, a little less uh, out the out the window, as it were. Um, <laughs> so you know, he shoots him. The guy, the poor guy who was just about to go on his lunch break, gets shot with no blaster in hand, and then finally a few other stormtroopers start piling in here, but they're stuck. I mean, there's only one way in the mess hall, one way out the mess hall. Um, you know. I wonder, you know, how good is the construction when you can just kind of kick out a metal sheeting like that to a degree? Because, but, you know, they are in maybe an old decrepit building. It definitely, uh, I definitely liked the preceding sequence of events as they're trying to escape up the side. I thought it was really cool to watch them be supported by, you know, Fennec and uh, Kara from the Ridge. Um, that was a really cool set set of scenes just to watch them just take some people out and, and yes, nice we, big uh, laser rifles. We, we did see stormtroopers revert back to not being able to hit anything again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so Mando seems to have a homing target on him when he's wearing his Beskar armor, <laughs> but when he's not wearing his armor, he's invisible and can't be hit. <laughs> <laughs> Like you said, get in and enjoy the journey, right? Indeed, indeed. There's to a degree, we just have to, we just, we, we let certain things go. But you're right, it does kind of bear that question of what really, I mean, can they just not hit anything, you know? And so they clear off the top, they, they scramble up to the top, and then, you know, Boba Fett comes in off the side, and they jump onto Slave One, and as they're cram clambering up, because uh, basically, as the officer put it right before uh, Mayfeld shot him, they're going to use that rhydonium to sow as much chaos and destruction in the galaxy as they can so that people beg for the Empire back. Mm. Now, this is much to, uh, much to the chagrin of Mr. Mayfeld, who, as soon as he's on, on, the, on, the, on the, uh, the Slave One, he's sitting out the back, he... Uh, demands i would say demands the cycle rifle doesn't even ask just uh having the cycle rifle takes aim and blows up the rhydonium that's stored in this thing absolutely just demolishing this base what'd you think of that myra i thought it was his final purge of all things of his past and what he had believed in and his 
his final, um, just, uh, he did, I mean, it's not a loss of life if you think about it that way. Uh, <laughs> his last act was a, a, an act for, for the literal greater good of, of humanity and, um, you know, peace and survival. And I think it's everything he really had been struggling with up to that point. Um, and hearing again, the empire's point of view of, you know, nobody, no one person really matters because as long as you have order and people don't, they don't care. We're just coming here to take over and give everybody this and that. And cause that's what they really want. When, Mayfeld had bought into that, I think, at one point, and then struggling in between that everything that this had um, had come up to, this was the his way of saying, this is my stand, this is not acceptable, this is what I'm going to do to do the right thing, and he didn't ask, he made the decision, kind of like Mando's decision with the helmet, I feel, pivotal moments for both of them to say... Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm going to do the right thing. Very good, Dave. I, I totally agree. Totally agree. We've seen drawing a line. No I more. Think, I was going to say, for me, very much, it, it's going back, you know, as we've seen this season, very heavily on uh, Western motifs, right? And for him, he kind of is this outlaw gunslinger to a degree, but now we kind of see him as this hero outlaw gunslinger in this light with this, and and doing, you know, having his own set of like a, a moral code essentially that is maybe not necessarily in line with what society's is, but it's his own and he follows it. Much similar to the Mando, right? Where we were discussing is he chaotic neutral? Is he neutral good or is, is he, you know, good, good, you know, all around? You know, and I think I think it's these character defining things that is really going to allow them to build and continue on the story. And much like you said, this is a filler episode. But in the filling, it has done a lot of groundwork, I think, that will pay off in huge dividends, you know, coming up here. Don't you feel like that this is this is one of Star Wars themes? I mean, there's no perfect hero. There's no there, we have flawed heroes. We have heroes that, you know, make mistakes, but they I think it's because they keep going in the end. They choose and said, you know, maybe I can make a difference. I mean, even Luke had you know, his things and that uh, his regrets or his thing, you know, things that he did wrong that he shouldn't have and um, or should have waited and used some wisdom on or. And of course, Han is the most obvious <laughs> bumbler, but, you know, with a good heart. And I, I think that seems to be kind of the theme that we don't have a the question of is Mando good? Is Mando bad? Well, Mando's both. Yeah. But he's. He's choosing to, you know, more of the good, I would say, but will do what he needs to do to get that good to happen. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, def- definitely. I, I think when when you look back at the original movies, it, it was, to some extent, a lot more clean cut. You have good and you have bad. But then... I think with with the advent of Disney, I mean, whether you slate it or not, that they've done some really good things, and and one of the best that I've seen is has been Rogue One. But what that brought in with Diego Luna's character is that you will do bad for good, um, and he brings in this very murky grey area 
where you you don't necessarily sit you're not a hundred percent good guy or a hundred percent bad guy and mayfield is another one of these guys who he may have joined the empire and he may have gone along with what the empire stood for until there was obviously a moment where he decided this isn't me this isn't what what i am and who i am and so he stopped being an an empire lackey but because of the the choices he'd made in his past rather than becoming a good guy he carried on being what the the empire had made him which would have been a bit of a bully a bit of a, a braggart a bit of a um might is right style character and, and type of person and this was his his redeeming point really where he was able to actually draw a line under under that braggart that that bully that he may have been that had been created by the empire well maybe a purpose maybe a new purpose had yeah. been, you know discovered saying oh, i can make a change or something not just be that that bully yeah, yeah exactly I, I think for me it adds dimensionality to your characters i think that if your characters are so rooted in who they i mean yes i mean to a degree you know you don't want to see your characters do something that is completely counter to their character but for them to have a bit of dimensionality and not just see everything in black and white and do everything in black and white, I think that it's much more relatable to the readers, to the viewers, and other things like that. So I think it can do nothing but serve the purpose. I mean, and much to your your point, we saw that in Rogue One, right? But we also saw in The Clone Wars when Ahsoka met um, Lux Bonteri. Do you remember that? Um, when she goes to the, the Separatist homeworld with Leia on that secret mission to try yes. to help kind of broker peace because her one of her good friends from before the war is one of the planets from the independent system and that's such a huge episode in the clone wars because it's really the first time that ahsoka tano as us you know because she is presented to us as the viewer right you know we were we were brought into the clone wars with her and through her we we experienced the clone wars and in that episode she starts to question you know the things she's been taught because she's simply part of the republic because she's a jedi whereas like and she's always gone against the separatists as being the bad guys but really the, that episode seeks to highlight that they're not really bad people they're people that want something different than what other people want and that's really their greatest crime now yes they there's the whole subplot of palpatine and what he's doing right but in the grand scheme of things those are people being manipulated really what it is is it's people with differing viewpoints and in that episode she learns that just because it's my enemy doesn't mean they're not people. And I think that's such a huge lesson that they've taught, you know, Star Wars fans at a young age. And I think that that episode helped them to make things like Rogue One then, where you see people in the rebellion then doing things that are questionable morally and, judge, you know, questionable judgments, you know, things. But do, being put in a position where they have to kind of do what they have to do in order for the rebellion to survive. So... No, I think it's, like you said, in the original trilogy, I think we had the benefit of it being when it was made and, and it being the first, that it gets to be a little bit more about the good, the bad, the black, the white, nothing gray and nothing in between. But to have the longevity that Star Wars has had, you have to you have to develop for, further. You have to have well, that. I, I agree. I agree. Well, the, the original trilogy was very much almost like a fairy tale. It was a fairy tale in space. And, and in that type of story, there is just a good and a bad 
you, you yeah. don't have the gray in the middle. Mm. Space opera, right? It is. It's yeah. it's it's, uh, it's sci-fi fantasy. Is that what our bounty hunters were? Uh, you know, in the Empire Strikes Back. Our, our our middle ground. I suppose they were. I, I suppose they took the money from whoever offered it them. Yeah. Right. And if that meant it was Boba, um, it, it was the Empire, then the Empire paid them. If that meant it was Jabba the Hutt, then Jabba paid them. Um, There's a job, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess the majority of people would have the the people with money during the time of the Empire were probably not good people. They're either criminals or they were the Empire. War profiteers, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the type of people who could afford people like Boba Fett, who commands one of the highest, you know, salaries of all of all bounty hunters. Yeah. So, so we get out of uh, we get out of the Imperial and thing. We're on the roof. They jump on there. Um, Mayfeld destroys the thing on the way out. We get to see an awesome explosion. I don't ever feel bad when the Empire gets blown up. I don't know about anybody else out there. But uh, you know, so then you know, we cut to. Everybody saying their goodbyes, right? Um, oh, no, no, no. Before that, no. Oh, chased by ties. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. How you're right. You have missed us. No, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. I couldn't remember if that was after they had dropped Mayfeld off. I didn't quite finish my second watch through. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. Take it away. Well, we, we we have them climbing away from the base, and these two TIE fighters reappear, the, the two that had, had been lurking previously. Correct. They were there I'm assuming the same thing. Lurking. Um, so they give chase, and I, I don't know about the, the, the pair of you, but he initially tries to, to avoid them, jinks around, and then decides, I'm, I'm going to go on the offensive. But rather than turn around... Mm-hmm. He uses a very, very iconic weapon that his his father had used. Yeah. And that was just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. (laughs) It was great. I was was sitting at the edge of my seat as soon as I saw as soon as I saw the little door in the back, I was like, oh no. And like I gasped and I was like, oh no. And my wife was like, what? I said, watch. Yes. (laughs) And she was like, Oh, and I was, she goes, how'd you know that? And I was like, because I've seen it before, but I've never heard it quite in that detail. Yes. It was fantastic. You get, to, you get that in, in Battlefront when you do the flying missions and you're, fly, and you're flying. You get to, when you get to be Slave 1, one of his counteroffensive is dropping one of those. And it's always so satisfying because it's absolutely silence and all you hear is that boing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, it's just a fantastic weapon. Absolutely fantastic. And watching it just blow the, the TIE Fighters apart, I mean, that was just a stunning sequence that they put together. Just so well done. Can we say that it's beautiful? I mean, that doesn't seem like it was <laughs> <laughs> just go I like Somebody <laughs> spent time crafting that piece of art. It was beautiful. It, it, was, it was a piece of artwork. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It yeah. was. And, and, and like I said, it was a combination of both something that was visually stunning but the sound as well, the combination oh. of the, the two together. So what is it called again? It's a seismic, no. seismic charge. Seismic charge. Yeah. So Django had used it to, to blow an asteroid up. Yeah. 
to uh, yeah for when um, Obi Wan was killing him. Yeah. Well, he thought he had killed Obi Wan, right? That yeah. Was, that was the thing. Does he well, the seismic charge is a very effective weapon, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Fantastic. No, it was it was very good. So that yes, so sorry, Justin. To go back to what you were saying, they, they then land the ship to pick up Cara Dune and Fennec Shand. Yeah, yeah, they were impressed. They were impressed with Mayfell. I like the way that um, Kara was just like, oh, you know, Mando, it's really too bad to hear, you know, about Mayfell. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I don't know if either of you two thought at that point there was, there was even there was a possibility. That she was just going to kill him. Probably. It's like, well, Mayfeld didn't it didn't survive, did he? Yeah. Did he, Mando? he didn't survive. Nod, nod, wink, wink. Um, I think I don't think she was ever going to kill him. I think when she saw, because she they did they did make it a point to cut to her and Fennec on top of the ridge when he did yeah. shoot it, and they both were genuinely pleased and impressed with his decision to just take that shot and and make that shot. So. I think that I, I kind of knew where it was going to. She definitely played up and hammed it up to like, oh, you know, he died, and like, I think at first I, I did like I did like Mayfeld. He's like, can I go? Because I'll go. <laughs> like, and I, I thought that was funny too, because he was just like, like it doesn't matter. I don't even have to go with you. He goes, I'll just go. I'll just go. Yeah. I'll just run right here, right now, out of here. Did you like that? I mean, this is kind of a fun ending. Well, not ending, I suppose. Maybe they're going to meet again. But I liked the way that it, it played out through this episode, the relationship just between those two. Because, remember, I thought it was the funniest thing where he goes, I bet you're a real, uh, what did he say? Um, oh, yes, yes. It's really it fun to come along. In these. Yes. <laughs> Didn't we get it two episodes before where she's driving the thing off that other base and she's like <laughs> yeah you haven't been with her because she's a real kick in yes. the driver's seat so it was extra funny to me that he's like oh yeah i bet you're really you know fun on it like this and she she is actually <laughs> but yeah. i love how it kind of yeah played out between she she was ex-rebel he was ex-imperial so they're they're complete poles apart initially so yeah, yeah, I, I I like that. I did like that. But did, did you also notice that the Mando is almost like, despite wearing a helmet, almost like giving him the eye to say, "Go on, get gone." <laughs> very much so. And I, I it, it, it was very interesting. Not only that, but also just like I was saying throughout this podcast, that his relationship with Mayfeld completely 180 from where it was in the beginning of the episode. I mean, even Kara to a degree, she had to bend the rules to get him out, you know what I mean? And to a degree she's bending the rules even further to let him go, you know? And I think there's a certain sort of you know, obvious, just like natural justice there, like he kind of paid his due and stuff like that. But like, I kind of like, I definitely like the fact that they weren't just like, well, now just get on the plane and come with us, or get on Slave One and come with us. You know, it was, yeah. you're free to go, but you're stuck here on Morak. You can figure yeah. your own thing out. Have fun with that. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> I'm I sure it's like, else, right? He just needs to go to the local Greyhound or whatever. And <laughs> I'm fine. His, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Make his way out on onto the out onto the greater city. Yeah. So then, 
good. Does oh, it ending, to... ending is the best, huh? Yeah, yeah. It cuts to Merritt. Go, take it away. Oh, my gosh. So when they finally, Kara asks that, you know, have you got the coordinates? And so they have these coordinates. And then I love that you're suddenly, uh, you see the ship and you, you're in the, uh, what's it call it? Where um, the gal says. The bridge. The bridge, yes, thank you. Jeez. <laughs> uh, Military terms. Right? <laughs> to Gideon, uh, Moff Gideon. He, she goes, well, here's kind of like a little message for you. And I love that. All of a sudden, there's Mando. And verbatim tells the same thing. But it has so much more significance for Mando saying it that there's an actual... You know, it, it's funny because you felt the threat when when um, when Gideon was saying it, but it was bully, the bully tactics. Well, this is emotional and this is deep for Mando, and he, he he's passionate about this. He's going to follow through with this. This yeah. isn't a bully tactic. This is a real threat. Which and, it's, it's, it's not so much a threat as a promise. Promise. Yes. Yes, I felt that too, because the look in Gideon's eyes, he knew the difference. This is not somebody that I can dismiss lightly. Hmm. He's coming for me, and I better be prepared. And it was fantastic. It gave me the goosebumps, and I'm like, <laughs> I know, when you hear, when you first hear the start of it, you're like, oh my God, is he going to, that's, that is so cool. He's just going to spit your own words back at you, but make it sound so much more sinister. Hmm. Like, Gideon's not a person I would say that scares lightly. You know, the man has been around the galaxy. He wields a lot of power, but I definitely think he took notice, and I definitely think he realizes that he has more of a problem on his hands than he probably initially wanted. Now, to a degree, I'm not sure about whether or not i i'm of uh, david's mentioned this at last po podcast because when he caught grogu he said you've gotten very good at that mm. almost as if to say he had seen him previously so i'm still very interested in in the exploration of how much time off Gideon has actually spent with the child and stuff like that. i'm sorry grogu i know some people are sticklers he has a name um but um yeah, I seem to think that they have uh, had a little more time together than we know. So I'll be interested to understand more fully their their time together to understand their dynamic to see if he has, in fact, run across him before in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I, one, one question I have is, is it's like, isn't, to, so to a degree, obviously Mando recorded that message on Slave One as they're on their way there, right? Unless next episode they just start with them popping out of hyperspace and attacking this thing, like isn't that kind of tipping your hat? Because you can really only send a communication to somebody if you know where they are. Yeah. So well, I'm well, off getting. I'm like, this fool knows where you know, we well, should move. Who else is looking for him? Who else is looking for that sword? Bo-Katan. Who else has a vested interest and in, and in Gideon's? demise yep. chapter whatever it would yep. not surprise me that we have a anyway if you know yeah, what i mean no no, no no that's that's a yeah. very very good point we might see three different types of mandalorian because mm -hmm. we haven't seen sabine wren yet have we, no, we well I'm, I'm thinking we've got the mando we've got bother 
and Bo-Katan. Okay. But then I think we... Because isn't it... Sabine supposed Is Sabine supposed to be in this season? I know that was rumored. Oh. But then the person rude. that they rumored... I would have thought, thought she'd be with Ahsoka. What's that? I thought she'd be with Ahsoka. You know, a lot of people said that, but I also... I, I mean, let's be fair. In Rebels, they branch off and do their own investigation several times. So it doesn't mean that particularly Sabine wasn't off doing something separately and won't come back at a different time. I'm not as bothered by that necessarily, but um, I had thought I had read before the season started that, that Sabine would be in this and that they had cast somebody for her. Maybe it was just the other um, person, the other gal who was with Bo-Katan, because I remember yes. seeing her face and everybody thinking that she was going to be Sabine, but then she ended up just being one of the other Mandalorians with Bo. Yeah. yeah. So maybe no Sabine this this season, but but who's our Jedi? Imagine? And who's our Jedi? Who did uh, Grogu reach out to? Goodness knows. Goodness knows. And is it is it just an Jedi? all call? Are we going to have a Jedi, or we're going to have Sabine come back to reclaim the the sword? I mean, it could. It but, then but how, how, how do you take on an Imperial cruiser at the moment? He, he, because um, Boba Fett's got Slave One, and Slave One is a, a, a is a capable ship, but it's not capital class ship. It's it's a gunship, a small gunship. Um, we've got Bo-Katan, who's nicked a a freighter with weapons, but it's still only a freighter. But it's That's an Imperial freighter. It is. It is an Imperial freighter. So maybe it's a lot like Return of the Jedi. You know, fly casual, but don't look like you're flying casual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, anybody it's, yeah. it could be that we see that ship again next week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well this yeah. week. Yeah, this week. Because if I'm if I'm him, I know Bo has it. She said to hit her up when I was done with everything. But then I'm like, hey, I need to go rescue the kid. You and your crack team of Mandalorians who took out this thing can help me. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, yeah. plus, he was in the cockpit when she was trying to figure out um, where Moff Gideon was. Right. Oh, was so, it? Yeah. So he, he knows that she's after Gideon. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the time he was trying to avoid Gideon. <laughs> so he wasn't gonna help her find Gideon. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna kill me. So yeah. Oh, do you think we see do you think we get to see more death troopers? Or dark troopers, I'm sorry. I keep no. calling up death troopers. Well there was there was there was death troopers in um last season, wasn't there? They were his guards. And I think that's partly why, but those are just the black uh yes. the black Stormtroopers, black colored stormtroopers, right? I don't right? like the machines. The machines, I don't like. You don't like them. You don't like them. Dark troopers. Gotten your review on the on the dark trooper, Mara. The review of the dark trooper. Yeah, the ones that stole up baby Grogu. What did you think of them? Well, I, I don't know. I like the death troopers better, but it <laughs> makes sense about what he was, you know, building in that room. Were were yeah. those dark troopers, right? So they're all machine. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I we know he's got, he's got four that are active. Yeah. At least four. But that room was much bigger, so he must have more than four. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they they look what ten, twelve, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Probably a good complement of them. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not. They're they're very effective. Hmm. 
I think that it makes sense. He's got four, right? We know we have a Fett. We have potentially a Bo-Katan and two Mandos that he could tap his friends to help him get the kid back. And then we have Fennec, right? So we have a complement of people who could take them on while he pursues Gideon. Or Bo Bo and Mando could pursue Gideon because Bo obviously wants the Darksaber back. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking Bo-Katan will have some method of contact in Ahsoka as well. Yeah. Yeah. And let's not forget Grogu. Okay. So we got little Grogu in Jackals. In Jackals. <laughs> he's, getting, he's getting more powerful, right? I, I think he's a sick in the making, that little thing. Hey, this connection, right? There's something. I don't know. But my, I guess I'm going to make a prediction, Allie. Um. I think Grogo is going to, like, I don't know, something. Something phenomenal is going to happen. Bad or good? I'm going to say I'm gonna say good. We're I'm all going to sit there saying. <laughs> Me and Dave hold the unpopular opinion that we would like to see Grogu become a Sith. I, I think he's a little Sith. <laughs> I want him to be like, I want him to be like Dark Yoda from the Clone Wars. No, you guys. No, he's, 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 he's going to go from Gizmo to the Dark Gremlin. Yes, yes. He loves his daddy too much. Don't get him wet. <laughs> Don't feed him no. after ten, right? Veto that. I'm only one to two, but I veto that. No, no. There, you've heard no. it here first, folks. Mara Ranger of the Jedi Council says no. Gogo is not allowed to fall to the dark side. I, I don't think they would because of the toy sales. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. They're selling yeah. it as a plush. Yay! <laughs> Who would have thought that they would have taken Leia and Han's son and turned him into a Sith? Well, true. I guess he never oh. <laughs> was a true True, Sith. true, but they're, they're already selling plush soft toys of the child. Fair. I was going to say, hey. turning Kylo Ren into a plush. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true, Dave. They don't. You don't want to see your kids snuggling up to a up to a, a murderous thing. <laughs> no. Oh, I don't know. I don't. Know. I'm certain I've seen plush Darth Mauls. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I have a plush Darth Vader, and let's be fair, Anakin, oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Anakin did uh, do what he did at the end of Revenge of the Sith. No, so I mean, what what an episode, though. I mean, I think as much as it was, and much. You're right, to your point. It was a filler episode, much like The Passenger was. I think they've done a lot of groundwork and really built a character who could have a longevity in Star Wars and and, and be used in a lot of other other properties. So, yeah. which seems to be, which, which is a great segue into what we have coming out of Disney's announcements uh, the other days. We have 11, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 11 new Star Wars shows announced coming. Mara, are you excited about those? What's your top three? I am excited about those. Of course, I have to say Obi-Wan is my number one. I have been waiting for an Obi-Wan movie or whatever before Mandalorian and the show uh, possibilities. I've, I've just been waiting, and, and I I get to say, ha-ha, all you naysayers saying, what could happen to Obi-Wan in the desert? Well, a lot, a lot of stuff. And we're going to see some stuff. And we're going to see some action. 
and I think it's great. So he's my number one. He's my number one that I'm I'm, I'm totally looking forward to. The fact that Hayden is going to grace us again, better writing, better material. I mean, let's face it, this is going to be phenomenal with a rematch out of Captain Kennedy's mouth. A rematch. I don't know, but yeah, that's that's the bit that that I don't know because I've I've heard that as well that there's that there'll be a rematch. Yeah, that's from uh, Kathleen Kenny just said that. Yeah, so well, I don't know I, if I like that though. I, but I don't. I, well, you see, to to stick a rematch in will undo the original trilogy again, because you you have Darth Vader saying it's a presence I've not felt for a very long time, and you also have the last time we met Vader, um, or, or the last time we met, I was the student. Now I am the master. Yeah. So, so for me, if this is ten years set, ten years after Re- Revenge of the Sith, so about about eight nine years before A New Hope, it's it it it, it doesn't work with either of those two sound bites from the original trilogy. Is it, it's someone who I've not um, felt for a very long time, seven or eight years. It works if it was about 20 years, but seven or eight years. And, yeah, but- and last time we met, I was the student. Now I am the master. But maybe the student master is is not the what we're assuming that it is at that level. And maybe there's a little bit more time. Um, maybe, I mean, obviously, yes, yes. I agree with you, David, as far as those are concerned. But it could also work from a certain point of view. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, I think in a way, something I think that all three of us can probably agree with is that whilst there has been some really good products made by Disney, there has at times been under almost like an a. a, a, a Oh, I can't, I can't think of the right word for it. Almost like a watering down or a, um, a cutting away at what we saw in the original trilogy. Um, a, a, a weakening, maybe, of either the characters that we saw, um, such as a, a undermining. That's the word I was thinking of. An undermining. We, we saw an undermining of both Luke and Han in yeah. the sequels. Yeah. Um, and their characters definitely both took massive steps backwards. Um, and and yeah, I, I, I like the idea of Obi Wan. I really want to see an Obi Wan movie or an Obi Wan TV show. So don't get me wrong. And I would love it if there were flashbacks and you, you even if you did see um, Vader with uh, Christian Haydenson, Aiden Christensen, even as as Vader. I have no issue with that, but this idea that they face off again and that there's a rematch, it's like, no, no, we've had that rematch. We had that rematch on Death Star 1. Mm-hmm. We, we don't need an interim face-off in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree with Dave on that. Like, especially, 
of the two quotes that he quoted, the the second one where you know him being the student and him being the master, that fits so well right now with the Mustafar fight and how that ended, and then them re meeting on Death Star One. So, I, for one, I am stoked that it's Ewan McGregor, and I'm stoked yeah. that it's Hayden Christensen. Like, I love the Obi Wan Anakin, you know, Adventure Time. The Clone Wars was awesome because of that, in my opinion. Yeah. It was, yeah. you know, it's great to see that relationship develop the way that it should have and couldn't really in the movies. Yeah. And also then give, I mean, to a degree, I, I, I'm of the opinion that the Clone Wars animated sh- series really makes Revenge of the Sith a much more palatable movie and even much more impactful. To me, when I first watched the Revenge of the Sith, it it seemed like such a dramatic shift from what we saw in Clone in the Attack of the Clones to that for him to then just, you know, do away with everything that he had wanted to be his whole life, right? But then in watching the Clone Wars, you see what the war did to him and the, the decisions that he had to make, and slowly but surely he had come to this, and you know, not just come to it on his own. He was. You know, Emperor Palpatine sort of orchestrated it. He groomed. made sure he... Yes. What's that? Yeah. Groomed. Definitely groomed. Yeah, he groomed him. Exactly. He groomed Anakin, basically. And and watching that play out episodically, like, made those movies so much better for me, you know? And so being able to see them live action again in something and to, and to now have that payoff also be there so that people are excited about it, I'm all for it. But in terms of having them face off and have a i i don't know i hope that i hope that doesn't happen in my opinion yeah 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 i'm looking forward to the show yeah i'm looking forward to the show and i i don't want to like i said i'm i'm not i'm not immediately doing what i know like some people probably will do on social media and wherever you and immediately say no uh, disney's destroying star wars i'm not of that opinion i think it's more a case of I don't want them to undermine something that is quite pivotal within the movies already. Yeah. Just just to try and get a subscription out of Disney Plus. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I don't I think at this point with the slate that they have, I don't think that that sort of tactic is necessary, honestly. No. The quality of the Mandalorian has propelled this them with enough confidence to make this many shows and i mean it's not just the obi-wan show i mean the cassian andor show and the soka show all sound very very good and lando i mean come on is i don't know if we've heard is is um danny glover gonna be i've not seen anything yet no i hope so because i yeah we've accepted him as lando yeah and And I i think one thing that this pandemic that we were all still living in has done with cinema it, it's it's making and with streaming services generally where you almost had like almost like a it sounds awful this almost like a two-tier acting circles where you had tv actors and you had movie actors and every now and again you get a movie actor who do a cameo in a tv show and and they were like the big name in the tv show and then every now and again you get a tv actor that managed to to propel themselves up into the movies and so they then almost never went back to tv again they were a movie actor whereas what we've seen over with streaming tv generally i think is has created a shift 
But with the pandemic even more so, you're getting this crossover. So you don't have a two tier. You're having millions thrown at TV series. And so they can tempt in a star celebrities like like with Lander and and, and Donald Glover again. So, yeah, it'd be fantastic if they could get him. I would be uh, I'd be over the moon. I think that he did a tremendous job. I love him as Lando when I, you know, when I play Battlefront, that's the skin that I have. I have young Lando as the skin. I in no and no disrespect to, you know, um Billy, Billy D. You know, Billy D Williams will forever be, you know, the Lando that I first was introduced to, but there's just something about, you know, Donald Glover's portrayal of Lando that just is so natural and effortless to me that he stole Solo to me. And as much as it was Solo, a Star Wars story, to me it was almost like the Lando and I got my buddy Han Solo and Chewie with me. <laughs> you know, so I'm excited for that one. The Ahsoka show, I am, you know, fingers crossed. I'm hoping that we get the hunt for Ezra Bridger, you know, and I think a lot of people are really, really excited to to, to go, you know, figure out what happened to him in Thrawn. Yeah. And the greater, you know, hunt for that. So... Some of these other ones, I you know, I obviously the Bad Batch is basically a semi sort of spin off continuation of the Clone Wars that we saw from the episode we saw. Yeah, from the, the I've, I've been reading like the blurb and stuff that goes with that. That appears to be set at the very end of the Clone Wars as mm-hmm. it moves into the Empire, and right. it's it's their shift from being clones to becoming mercenaries. Yeah, well, that sounds pretty good. It does. Even the squadron does. Of course, there's a little droid thing happening. The Rogue Squadron. The Rogue Squadron, yeah. yeah. That one's going to be a movie, right, though? That, that is a movie, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah that's by that. the Wonder Woman. Um, yes. A Patty. Oh, Patty Jenkins is doing Jenkins. that. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, there's a nice little blurb of her saying that her father was in the Air Force or something like that. And yeah, how he was actually wanted to do pilot. something like this. And her two loves were coming together, and she's directing them. Oh, that's tremendous news. That's really good to know. I liked Wonder Woman, and I'm... Sorry, Mara, what were you saying? Oh, I'm sorry. Who's directing R2? (laughs) (laughs) When does... Do you you think that... Have they said... uh, I didn't, unfortunately, have... I was working when they were doing the the online video, so I didn't get to watch it, and I haven't had time... With my schedule, did they show anything in terms of what no. a droid story is or anything? I didn't no. see it either. I just know that if it's a droid, well, it's Mara got- hopes it's her favorite droid in the galaxy. <laughs> well, I'm I'm on um, Lucasfilm's um, website at the moment. So what they've said about droid story. um, As Lucasfilm continues to develop new stories, the intersection of animation and visual effects offers new opportunities to explore. Lucasfilm Animation will be teaming up with Lucasfilm's visual effects team, Industrial Light and Magic, to develop a special Star Wars adventure for Disney+, Plus, a droid story. This epic journey will introduce us to a new hero, guided by legendary duo R2-D2 and C-3PO. So we will see them. So the interesting thing will be, I wonder who the new hero will be. And also, what timeline, what what time are we going to set this in? Well, yeah, and that's my question on a lot of these, is when are they positioned and yeah. what, you know, what timelines are they 
for the droid one. That's interesting. You know what is the so the droid one is going to be an animated one. You know, right before Lucasfilm was bought by Disney, they had planned a spin-off kind of animated show called um droid something or other but it was basically yeah it was basically like droids i think a droid story is what i think that's what that became so that'll be very interesting i think they kind of already had that worked out beforehand so it'll be interesting if they go back to those old ones or just redo it from the ground up that's possible it's possible um i was gonna say that there's a couple of others like that are, are fairly intriguing so so rogue rogue squadron all they say is that it's set in a in a period where this is a a new group of heroes so i'd initially when we were chatting as uh, on our chats generally i'd suggested initially could this be rogue squadron from the original trilogy period and it appears no it's not so i don't know if this is possibly on the setup to the resistance could it be like the 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 Maybe yeah, maybe the establishment of Rogue Squadron. Because yeah. well, Rogue One creates like Rogue Squadron yes. un right? So maybe it's directly after the events of Rogue One when they become like a designated unit. Possible. Possible. Um, and then uh, you've, you've got, um, there's an untitled uh, Taiki Ratiti film. I know I've just destroyed his name as well, so apologies. Taika Waititi. That's it. <laughs> Um, a brand new Star Wars feature with acclaimed filmmaker and Academy Award winner, whatever, is in development. Uh, Taker's approach to Star Wars will be fresh, unexpected and unique. And then his enormous talent and sense of humour will ensure the audiences are in it for an unforgettable ride. So no no detail whatsoever about that. Huh. I, did, <laughs> I think uh, Alex shared it in our chat too. Did you see his, his cheeky response to the announcement of his, his movie? I, I think I missed that. He basically StarWars.com announced that, and then in the replies in Twitter, he basically said something to the effect of, "I can't wait to ruin the thing that I love the most." Oh, like it, he it said something to that effect. Yes, I yes. was like, he has the Star Wars fandom on pulse. Like he has his finger on the pulse, man. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I'm just just quickly run through the so the Ahsoka one um, is a strange one because it's classed as a limited series. Oh, so that that normally means what four or five episodes, and it's just a one-off season. Something. Like yeah, that. or yeah. it could be several seasons, but like you said, very tight and compact. Maybe only three to five episodes. Yeah, so that's, that'll be yeah. That, that's an interesting one. Rangers of the New Republic, um, set within the timeline of the Mandalorian, new live-action series from executive producers John Favreau and Dave Filoni. So, so them two again will intersect with future stories and culminate into a cl- climatic story event. So, I bet those that, are the two X-wing pilots. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say Rangers. So that that for me implies ground troops. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like Republic commandos, but in yes. this in the new in the new Republic rather than yep. the old. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Something like that. I'm like, could we have Mayfield? Could Mayfield become a ranger of the New Republic? Could that be where this story was going with that? Um, so the Lando one, um, everyone's favourite scoundrel, Lando Carizian, will return in a brand new event. Um, Justin Simeon, uh, creator of the critically acclaimed Dear White People and a huge Star Wars fan, is developing a story. So no details. 
Um, Andor, I might. I must admit, Cassian Andor one really. I'd love to see this. This this one really grabs me. Um, a tense nail biting spy thriller created by Tony Gilroy is set to arrive in 2022. Diego Luna, reprising the role as the rebel spy Cassian Andor from Rogue One, will be joined by a fantastic new cast that includes Stellan Skarsgård, Adria Arjona, Fiona Shaw, Denise Gao, Kyle Soller, and get ready. Genevieve O'Reilly on Mothma. So she's uh, reprising the role. No way. That's huge news. That is. That is. So production kicked off three weeks ago in London for that. So that's already already been done. Um, then the Acolyte. So this is, this is a new one. Um, Leslie Headland, Emmy Award-nominated creator of the mind-bending series Russian Doll, brings a new Star Wars series to Disney Plus with The Acolyte. The Acolyte is a mystery thriller that will take the audience into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. So we know that the novels that are coming are clusters during the High Republic. So does the High Republic take us all the way up to... Um, the Clone Wars. Well, not not necessarily the Clone Wars, but does, does the High Republic take us all the way up to the, the birth of Anakin and that period there? Because yeah, it would, sound, it would sound like the High Republic is the golden era, golden age of the Republic, right? Yeah, which which ended with the the the, the war, the Clone Wars. So, right. on that basis, um, an emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic, and it's called the Acolyte. So, are we talking? Um, Palpatine as the acolyte or Darth Maul? It's a good question. It depends. It all depends on when, yeah, like you said. Did they say actually it was at the end of, is at the end of the High Republic? In so the final days of the High when Republic. When was Darth era. Pelagius active? So Darth Pelagius, we, he, he was a mun, so he lived quite a long life. Okay. Um, so he'd been around a few centuries before grooming Palpatine. And then obviously Palpatine was about 40, 50 by the the, the beginning of the, the Phantom uh, Menace. So you're looking at potentially he could have been alive during the novel, uh, during the novels that are going to be released soon called The High Republic. Hmm. It's, it's possible that he was alive back then. That's Absolutely. if we're going down the route of, of Darth Plagueis as we know him at the Mon that was from the novel. Well, yeah, and we definitely know at that point that it was the rule of two. So, I mean, it yeah. very much narrows it down as to who it potentially could be. So, I think you're, I think you're spot on there. I like that. I like that prediction. I had. I mean, obviously, I know the term acolyte is is related to the Sith, so I knew it had something to do with that. I had no idea when it was, so that's all very interesting info. Mm. Obviously, Bad Batch. Uh, Sirius follows the elite experimental clones of the Bad Batch uh, as they find their way in a rapidly changing galaxy in the immediate aftermath of the Clone Wars. Members of the Bad Batch, a unique squad of clones who vary genetically from their brothers in the clone army, each possesses a singular exceptional skill which makes them extraordinarily effective soldiers and a formidable crew. In the post-Clone War era, they will take on daring mercenary missions as they struggle to stay afloat and find new purpose. And that's an animated series. We saw a sizzle wheel for that. That was so good. So good. Real good. It definitely has that Clone Wars feel to it, too, yes. the way that it looks. So it's 
And I liked, I really enjoyed just the intro, how the Clone Wars burned away and it revealed the Bad Batch logo. I thought that was was super sweet too. So yeah, I'm all in for the Bad Batch. Mara, what do you think? Yep, Mara's scrambling. My bad. <laughs> yeah, so, so the Bad Batch is going to be animated. It's not going to be live. Yes, yeah. yes, it's not animation. No, it looks, uh, those adventures should be pretty interesting. That was an interesting crew. When I saw yeah. the episodes in Clone Wars, I was just like, oh my gosh. Um, very interesting. I'd like to see, yeah, I'd like to see more of those. I'm with you, really looking forward to that one. And then, and then the final one, because we've already covered off Droid Story, but the other yeah. one was Star Wars Visions, which again is, is quite a... Um, an unusual new path that they're going, which is I, I I quite like the idea of presenting all new creative takes on a galaxy far, far away. Star Wars Visions will be a series of animated short films celebrating Star Wars through the lens of the world's best anime creators. The anthology collection will bring 10 fantastic visions from several of the leading Japanese anime studios, offering a fresh and diverse cultural perspective. Wow. You know what this sounds like? It sounds like they're taking those. You've seen those YouTube fan. Oh, videos. The, the 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 Tie Fighter pilot one. There's the Tie Fighter pilot one, and then there's even there's another one too, where they're basically they're they're all done from the position of the Empire more than the yes. than the Rebellion. It sounds like they're kind of doing either either taking that directly and adapting it, or making something similar in that vein and doing it in other animation styles and in other. In other, in other, it, it looks uh, like it is that style because that was anime. That was that was yeah. I, I, to be fair, yeah. I think Disney should just pay whoever created that and just make that that official because that was oh, so well done. It's so good. I I've watched it on repeat because there's like I think there's at least two different ones that person's made. Oh, I've only ever seen the Thai one. I'll have to double check. If not, it's somebody else who made one that was very similar. But, yeah, that sounds interesting. I had no, you know, obviously I'd seen all these names and some of them, you know, are obvious as to what they are. That was the one to me. I was like, Visions, like that had the most mm. wide open ability to be about anything. I thought maybe it might be something like um, the Galaxies one where it's like the behind yes. the scenes on how Gal they Galaxy Heroes. Yeah. Um, no, not Galaxy Heroes. Oh, the, the, oh, one the, the behind the scenes one. Yeah, the one that they have on Disney. I can't remember what it's called now off the top of my head, but it's on Disney+. Plus. And they talk about like the behind the scenes of like the Mandalorian and stuff. And I assume they're going to continue to use that to discuss these shows. You know what I mean? I assume that's going to be a general hub for their behind the scenes. So we'll probably see more of that too. Sorry, Barry. The Mando, the Mando Gallery ones. Yes. Star Wars Gallery. That's what it's called. Yeah. That's what it's called. You're right. Thank you. I was seeing if it was the same one. <laughs> No, yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. That is what I'm talking about. You're correct. But, yeah, I, I think we get more episodes of that with the new upcomings. You know, they'll give us the behind the scenes. They would, it'd be foolish not to. It's it's like those Walking Dead or Talking Dead shows that they used to have after The Walking Dead where they break the episode down and stuff like that. People seem to really like those. And I really enjoyed the Star Wars, um, you know, the one where they broke down the, the, the making of The Mandalorian. You, you, it was really cool had, to watch that. You had that for a TV show called Heroes about 10 years ago. Probably 15 years ago now. Oh, yeah? They used to do that for that. And that was the first time I'd seen that done like that. Um, 
so for me, I mean, there was a couple of things missing from that list. Um, obviously, we know that you've got the Mando, uh, and and so the Mandalorian will continue. But there's no mention of that in that lineup. There was no mention of whether whether there were multiple extra seasons still to come or, or what. So there was no discussion of that. I know it was it was launching new products, but you would have thought maybe they would have covered that off as well. But also, I'd heard rumours that there was going to be a Boba Fett show, and that wasn't on there. Yeah. Well, maybe with him appearing on the Mando, he's going to... Uh in tandem with Mando for a bit, and then maybe branch off. Possibly, possibly. Much to uh, Ali, I think it was, or was it Dave? Dave, was that you who said you didn't want it to become the, the Boba Fett show? Yeah, no, yeah. I, well, I think Ali and myself both were in firm agreement of that. We, we yeah. were worried that this show was just gonna be repeated cameos by other characters, and to the detriment of the show. Um, but we've, we've, well, for me, so far, pleasantly surprised. I think the way it's done has been good. That it's, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, totally agree. Oh, wow, totally. chock full little episode. How long have we been? <laughs> we're going now for about ta- two hours and uh, nine minutes, give or take. <laughs> is this a part one and two? or? <laughs> <laughs> it is if we don't wrap it up soon. I'm sure everybody will. <laughs> Long on the two. So with that, we or Dave, do you have any last thoughts? I was going to say, I, th- I think that's probably a good place to finish. I isn't think it, those really? were good last thoughts. Mara, any last thoughts? Uh, well, not really more than what we've talked about. This is a really exciting uh, announcements we have, and there's more Mando to come. So that's that's always making me happy. I, I like what's happening. I do. I feel like there's a feel of Star Wars that's. Um, that might sound funny, but somebody who grew up with the original trilogy, I like, I like this feeling. And maybe I, I don't think it's nostalgia coming over me. Um, I don't think so. But I, it feels like Star Wars again. Um, I just had felt that it had died for me with the sequels. I mean, I don't hate the sequels. There are a lot of things I like about them, but it's just. Um, this is a good feeling for me, and I like it. I like the excitement. I like the uh, things that I'm looking forward to. That you can't guess where it's going. I, but I do hope that they don't fall back on and, and kind of like what Dave said earlier to to uh, completely wash out the OT and and uh, or whatever you said, Dave, uh, which was a better word. Um, because I think this should stay true to that. There's a lot of inconsistencies in Star Wars, but I think. Um, they can work hard on making it make sense and making it weave really well. If done well, what a tapestry of stories and uh, events and, and, and adventures uh, yet to see. I, I'm really excited about it. So. Well said. Yeah. And that basically echoes everything I had said last week. I don't... In terms of my last thoughts, my last thoughts are, I think Boba Fett's paint job looks awesome. My question is, did he not have enough time to paint Slave One? (laughs) Not yet. Not yet, but maybe next time. We'll see. So, you know, thank you, everybody, for for your time. If this is the the first time, welcome. Um, If this is, if you're returning, thank you very much for coming back and listening to us talk about Star Wars. Uh, it's always a pleasure for us. 
Uh, Dave, tell them where they can find us at. I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were just looking them up right now. <laughs> right. Okay. So um, you can find us on on our website, which is www.the-jedi-council.com, where you'll be able to find links to all of our podcasts. You'll be able to find links to our videos because we've now got YouTube videos. We're hoping to do more and more of those. You'll also find links to our various social media channels, of which we are on Twitter where you can find us i would say it's probably the most prolific place that we generally are although we're getting better on instagram and facebook thank you. thank you justin um, so on twitter we are at the jedi uh, capital v capital jedi underscore council capital c um we are on as i just said we are on instagram and we are, I'm going to find us now because I can't find us. That sounds awful, doesn't it? It is absolutely atrocious. We are the underscore Jedi underscore council underscore TJC. And we are also on Facebook. And on Facebook, we are, just wait for it to load. We are at... TJC the Jedi Council. <laughs> I'm not as good at that as Alex is, I'm afraid. Oh, so there's lots so of stalling in that. I can do a general search on Google, just the Jedi Council will bring you there. You you will actually find us. I did a quick Google just as a random thing for the just just right, the Jedi council um and one of the great things that happens on there is that you've got the likes of starwars.com which you would expect to find if you type in the jedi council but you also have something called wikipedia which again i would expect you will find the jedi council on however we are the fifth thing on that list after star wars themselves and wikipedia we are the first actual entry for the Jedi Council that isn't a reference and a historical, almost like a background style link. So yeah. I would say that that is fantastic. And if you search the Jedi Council podcast, we're like the second thing down for the website, for our website. So there you, go. you should you be able to find us. If not, look up uh, at Red Eye Jedi on Twitter. Uh, you'll be able to find us. We're out there, folks. We love talking with you. So. Come on and have a conversation with us, because it's no fun with us all by ourselves. Um, let's see. Anything else? No? All right. And remember. Tune in next time. Tune in next time, and uh, the Force will be with you, always. Remember, the Force will be with you.